Our learning is dedicated by Dr. Daniel Ganjian in honor of finishing their, his Dianus course and also his brother, Rabbi Avi Ganjian, also finished their Dianus course. May they go Michael Elchal. Okay, we are now going to discuss about an interesting question. And I guess it could be broken into various points, but we'll start with, do you need to know where your mezuzahs or your tefillin come from, where Sefer Torah comes from? We could ask the question in various ways. For example, if you're just buying it from, from anywhere, or any person or, or Sefer, like, do you need to know, uh, you know, do they need to, you know, attest that it's kosher? If they wrote it, they, want, they say it's kosher, that's one thing, but say they didn't write it, do they need to know who the Sefer is? Or if you find mezuzahs or tefillin or something, can you use it? Again, let's just say you're not sure if it's kosher. You bring it to someone who's a magia, an expert, to check it and says it, it passed the, the checking, etc. Can you assume that it is able to be used? And this question will base upon very important foundations of how we have trust. How do we have namanus? And, uh, and, and, and how do we know that everything is being done with lack of knowledge? So... We have, um, I guess we'll start off with the Primagadim. The Primagadim writes in Eshel Avraham, in Orchaim, Simon Lamed Beis, in, in Sivkat in 69, and he's also cited by the Kol Yaakov, that a Sefer needs to have more Yerei more fear of heaven, than a Shechet, even than someone who's trusted to Shecht an animal, a behemoth, or a bird, where if they make a tiny mistake or, or they wait too long or, or they do something wrong in the, in the precision moment of the shechita that can invalidate and thus the animal will be not kosher, people will be non-kosher food. And, it's, and sometimes you, it, no one will be able to know other than the shochet if he made the mistake. And it says that a, a, the primagadim writes that a, a sofer who writes tefillin, mezuzahs, etc., he, a sefer he needs to have even more fear of heaven than, than a shochet does. Why? Because if the shochet, even though there's a lot of money of a loss, if the shochet made a mistake, and what if he covers up and says, well, it's good, it's good, but really it wasn't, and he knows it wasn't. No, we say that the sofer still needs more Yerushalayim than that shochet. Why? Because by a shochet, if, he, if, he, if he's not true and he's not honest, and he knows he did some wrong or, or, or the like, and he doesn't, so people that eat this meat, they'll, do a, you know, they'll be eating non-kosher meat, and hopefully the next one, it won't turn out that way. And they uh, did an Avera one time, beating non-kosher food, of course. However, but if the sofer was writing a tefillin or mezuzahs or something, and he's really referring particularly to tefillin, and uh, he, he did something wrong, and, and it's puzzle. So the person is doing more isurim. Why? Because every day they're not fulfilling the mitzvah of wearing the tefillin when they're putting them on. And secondly... They're going to be making a bracha levatala and blessing in vain every time they they uh, put they uh, are reciting the blessing. So that's a that's a very important introduction. So the question is, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm getting the mezuzahs that are kosher and and my tefillin is kosher and the like, without uh, me standing over on top of the sofa watching him write it from from beginning to end? How will I then be able to know that they're certainly kosher? I mean, on a side note, this is obviously important to stress if it's not well understood that people who, who want to get cheap mezuzahs, cheap tefillin, you have to keep in mind that you're taking chances that, uh, that they're trying to do it in the most uh, economical way. And, and perhaps that's not always a good idea because sometimes 
maybe something can be overlooked or it wasn't known where it came from. It's more likely that those things happen, but that's a side note. Now, um, the Shulchan Aruch and Simen Lamed test tells us that if you buy, and this is, you can find it in Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, Simen Lamed test, Sif Yodi writes that someone who sells tefillin and he says that it's from an Adam Gadol Neman. It's from a great person, maybe someone who keeps mitzvahs and the like, and, and, and he's, he's, he's from and certainly knows what he was doing. So this seller would be trusted that, that they came from such a person, and you know that that must be kosher. And he says, because one witness is needed to verify the status of Torah prohibition. So if you have one person who says, this meat, it's kosher, you have nothing to worry about, it's not a non-kosher, you can trust him. Uh, they tell you that this thing is kosher, you can trust that one witness. So too over here, he's saying that the tefillin, he knows are kosher, it came from somebody who's, who's obviously would only do things kosher. Certainly, you could rely on that here. Because we have a chazaka, we have a status quo that a chaver, someone who's you know, careful in mitzvahs and the like and knows what he's doing, will not take anything from his hands that it wasn't fixed. So therefore, if you were going to buy mezuzahs or tefillin, and the person says, listen, this tefillin used to belong to this, this person who was careful in his mitzvahs and he only would do things right, you can rely on that. Or if he says that this tefillin or this was written by somebody who is mahadr and doing everything correctly and is kosher, and we'll assume it was tested or is checked or something, and it, so you could rely on that as well. That's if he is in front of you and he's, he's attesting to that. The Magin of Ram adds another point, that it's not enough that the person who's telling you it's kosher, etc., or that, that the person is... Uh, we don't have any assumption to assume that he doesn't keep mitzvahs properly or he doesn't care so much or he's only into financial gain or something. No, the Magen of Avram says, in addition, this individual, he, not only does he appear religious and he has to be muhsik the kashas, he has to have like a chazaka, he has to have a status quo of being a kosher person. So the, the Magen of Ram is really taken from a Rambam, how, how it's brought down in the Ramah in chapter 119 in Yerdea, we're over there, it says, and he learns out from the Rambam, that to, to rely on somebody for matters to ascertain that it's kosher and it's not prohibited, it's not enough that we just don't have some bad indicator on this person in front of our eyes, but we have to have actually good indicators that this person is very careful in what they do. And that will be required. The Machsis HaShekel asks, why is really the Magin Avram so requiring that when you're getting the tefillin, you have to make sure that the person who's, who's providing it and is testing is ultimately testifying on it, that it's kosher. Uh, why do you need them to be muhsak Bakashris? Is it not, you know, there's other opinions. The Ravid who holds that as long as you don't have any suspicion on this person and they seem to be from, it's enough. So the Machsis HaShekel says, because listen, by, by Shechita, we need muhsak bekashris because anything can go wrong by uh, slaughtering. And the same thing over here by tefillin, things can go wrong. So we need that additional pedigree of muhsak bekashris that we don't necessarily always require in normative halacha and other fields of halacha. Here we would require. Okay, so now let's go to the next point of our question. If one received mezuzahs or other, or other sefer Torah or tefillin or the like, and they have no idea really who wrote it or where it came from, so now they'll say, it's very simple. I'll just bring it to a, uh, a person who checks mezuzahs and tefillin, a magia as it's called. 
he will look at it and, or he'll examine it and make sure that anything that needs fixing is, you know, or if it's not kosher, he'll say it's not kosher-like. And if he tells me it's good, then that should be enough, even though I have no knowledge where it even came from. So in theory, should that work? Um, so we have to keep in mind that the a job of the Magia is to ascertain, based on his knowledge, make sure that the letters are done correctly, that all the, the writing is done correctly, the ink is the proper color, the cloth is, is, is correct, the, the, sirto, the, underline, the, score, the scoring on the lines is correct, everything, nothing is missing, there's nothing extra there. There's all these things that he has to go and, 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 and check and fix what needs fixing, what not. However, it, he doesn't have, assumably, we don't assume that uh, Megia has Ruach HaKadosh. He doesn't have the ability to look into it and say, oh, it was written by so-and-so on, on Rehov this, in this street, and, and oh, he's a good... If you don't know, maybe you know, he, he recognizes the writing who wrote it, because he just knows anyways. But we don't assume that people today have that level of Ruach HaKodesh. And there is always the possibility that mezuzah or tefillin or the like could have been written by someone who's not fit to write. In fact, this Shulchanach, in the beginning of Simen Lamed Tess, goes and it lists all types of people who are not fit to write. And the general idea is people who obviously don't keep Torah and mitzvahs are not fit for writing. Now we could go and ask which Torah and mitzvahs, what if he's only not careful in a certain thing, but overall he's pretty careful. In thing. We won't go into that. And there is, there's, there's, it's a topic of its own. What would be enough to disqualify a person? But we'll overly simplify it and just assume that someone who is not careful in observance of mitzvahs, or if they were to write something and they don't care that it's non-kosher and they would, you know, they don't care and it doesn't bother them at all. Uh, so obviously such people would not be kosher to write. If a person doesn't put on film, like a man only puts on film, a woman doesn't, can't write film, if someone's not Jewish, etc. These are, you know, what if someone, we don't know if they're Jewish, they're very questionable if they're even Jewish altogether. These are things that you don't want to just get the mezuzahs and film from these individuals, right? Be a big problem. There is, in addition to that concern, I, in a book of mine, um, Mezuzah of Divine Protection and Blessing, on page 49, I, on, I go through what's called the indiscernible heirs, which besides the fact we're assuming that the sofer, whoever wrote it, must have been a good person, knows what he's doing, received qualifications and Kabbalah, which is required by the poskim, you should not write, and you should not check, and you should not work in fill, and if you don't have the uh, permission from the... Uh, from from those who give out uh, who give uh, ordination on these things, but there's other things that could go wrong that are not even able to be noticed necessarily. For example, well, let's say the sofer wrote the stam and he didn't say I'm writing it for Hashem's sake when he comes to Hashem's name, or he he missed a letter and wrote it afterwards, or um, he didn't he didn't say before he was writing the mezuzah he's writing for the sake of the holiness for the for that for the mezuzah. Or, you know, there was a, a missing letter, which later on was, you know, added. Or, or There's things that not necessarily can even be picked up. And you have to just rely upon the fact that the Eidach HaNem and Bisurin, that a one witness is believed in these matters. But when we don't know where it came from, we can't ask those questions. So on the face value, we have to just, you know, have the Megiyah look at it and to see if it's, if it can examine, to see if it's kosher. Um, that is the question. Is, would, would that really be enough? And I will say that in the Shulchanach of the Alter Rebbe, in Simin uh, Lamatessa, we've been quoting, 
Sivav, uh, he does say that if you found a tefillin parshas in, uh, in the hands of a goy, you could assume they're kosher. Why? Because goyim don't write tefillin. They might have access to writing sifrei Torah, Torah scrolls, because that's, that's part of their, they're big into that. Potentially. However, uh, tefillin, you don't assume to do it that. With that mention, it is kind of uh, important to point out that in the later generation, I think around the 1900s, uh, we, we started finding that there was unfortunately many non-observant individuals who were writing uh, all types of things, Sefer Torah, Tefillin, Mezuzus, they would be written on Shabbos and the like. And in fact, there was before that a big call from the Levush that all stam needs to have a heksher on it. You have to have, it's just like food, you need to have a heksher on it. You need to have a heksher on, on your Mezuzus and Tefillin, where it comes from. And in theory, they tried to do it on and off many times, and it was very difficult because often, again, you know, people, they need a mezuzah right away, and, you know, you go to a sofa. Does every sofa have to have a rabbinical income to him? And, you know, he has to be checked and tested, but beyond that, does he have to, you know, it's very difficult to ensure that every single uh, thing will have a heksha on it, and that's why, in general, it hasn't really been done, uh, you know, a little, a few places they have, they have, they do do it or they try to, but it's a difficult thing to really ensure that it's done all the time. So therefore, in the later generations, even though that maybe there's leniency on certain assumptions that only tefillin are written by, you know, non, only by Jews, however, non-religious individuals have also been writing mezuzahs and tefillin and the like and whatnot. So therefore, that is a, another consideration. Therefore, if a person finds or, or receives tefillin or mezuzahs and they really have no idea where it came from, if they know it came from a, a, a source of, you know, a religious Jew or something who went to, okay, that's generally a good indication. And they get it checked and the, the Megillah looks at it and, and, and examines it and, and it passes the test. That's generally okay. And, and sometimes the Megillah can be able to pick up something that even though it's kosher on the face value, but there's a lot of little indicators of something that the sofer doesn't know what he's doing or he's very uh, not careful in what he's doing. And this must be a, a bad sign. And maybe he'll point that out to the, to the person who brought it to him. And unless we, so, so, so based on that, if we really don't have clarity on it, it's, it's always better to try to know where it came from. And if you can't find that out, so if it looks and it meets all the passing, the tests and the like, generally that should be enough because if someone's not a kosher individual, we, we don't assume they're going to, you know, do something wrong um, and, and, then, and it looks perfect how it's written according to all the standards. It, it's hard to tell. And it's a case-by-case decision that one should uh, maybe discuss with their rav. But I think what we could take out from this is that it is definitely a good idea to try to get information when you're purchasing a mezuzah or tefillin or the like, who is the cipher? What is his qualifications? To get more information. I'll finish uh, with a very quick story. There was somebody who came to the Lubavitch Rebbe uh, had health issues and the Rebbe told them they should have their tefillin checked. This was a religious individual living in B'nai Brak, and he had them checked or, and, and apparently the Rebbe kept on telling them to check it again. And it was strange because he had the best uh, Magim in, in B'nai Brak checking it and no one found any problems. Till it was brought, the question, someone mentioned the story to the famous uh, Ravazner, the Shevet Halevi, and he said, must be that the, there's got to be more to this, as the Rebbe keeps on telling the person to check the time. So he asked him to find out who was the cipher. And they, they find out who the cipher was, and he, and he says, he, he calls in the cipher and asks the question, 
uh, this pair of tefillin. You wrote it. Tell me, how did you write it? You seem, do you live in it? It seemed that the silver didn't live in a town where there's a mikveh. He says, do you go to mikveh every day before you write? He says, yeah. He says, well, what would you do? Um, you, you're not in the town where there's a mikveh. So what do you do? He says, oh, I, every time I come to Hashem's name, I left it blank. And then I would fill it in afterwards. And obviously that would be in, invalid because one of the rules by tefillin and mezuzahs is that it has to be written in order. Apparently this sofa had beautiful writing and every Magia who checked it didn't see any problems, but there was, it was puzzled because it was written out of order. And uh, you know, that was a special story there with the Rebbe, but it does show us that uh, if you really, to be on the best side, you do want to have information about the sofa that you get your tefillin and mezuzahs or Sefer Torah from, to uh, know for sure that they are muhsik bekashers and that they have yer shemayim and let's raise our standards bezotashim.